You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon series by Pastor George Willis, which is titled Better Together. For more information, please visit our website at www.creekside.org. Uh, It's great to have every single one of you with us today as we continue and kind of close out our message series, Better Together. We are better, why? Together. We're better together. Um, Through the series, we're looking at what it means to become and live in unity, to become unified and to live in unity as a community of, uh, a community centered around and for Jesus. Let me just give you a brief recap if you weren't here for the last couple of weeks. Week one, we talked about that every single one of us, we are created in the image of God, uniquely created because we we are a masterpiece, handcrafted by God himself, and that we need to act like it. We need to act like the masterpiece we are because God places such a high value on us. If we're going to live in authentic community, we need to recognize that we are and we need to treat or we need to recognize what we are and that we need to treat others as the masterpieces they are as well. And the good news is that the world is drawn to that kind of love. The world is drawn to that kind of love. The second week we talked about what the title implies, that we are truly better together. Because here's the deal. We are different. We're wired different. We're gifted differently, different interests, different passions, but we are all different. But the reality is we are greater than the sum of our parts. We're greater than the sum of our parts. We all have different gifts. We all have different abilities, different talents, different interests, different passions. But when we come together as a community, each doing our part, we become greater than the sum of those parts. And when everyone uses the gift that God has given them within this community in unity, we are an unstoppable force to bring the hope and healing of Jesus to this world. So this week, I want to look at the biggest roadblock, maybe the biggest hindrances to seeing the community living in unity and it becoming a reality. I'm gonna invite you to open your Bible or click on your favorite Bible app to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. And as you do that, let me ask you this question. By a show of hands, how many, uh, have, how many of you have uh, ever had your favorite band break up? Kristen, what was your favorite band that broke up? That's okay, I can help you out. For some of us, in the 60s, it might have been the Beatles. Right? When the Beatles broke up. Oh, no. For those of you who grew up in the 70s, maybe it was Creedence Clearwater Revival. Come on, somebody. Led Zeppelin. The who? The what? No, I'm just kidding. The Eagles. I got a grunt out of that one. (laughs) Or maybe if you grew up in the 80s, it was... (laughs) 
Actually, Journey didn't break up. Steve Perry quit the band. Let's be, let's be, we're, let's be real. Maybe for you grew up in the 80s, it was Guns N' Roses. Or maybe the police. Someone's hurting out there. I can hear it. Maybe if you grew up in the 90s, it was the Backstreet Boys. Or New Kids on the Block. Has any, is anybody hearing, uh, 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 no, in your head? More recently, if you're a millennial, maybe it was One Direction. No one in this, maybe the early bird service. The Jonas Brothers. Yeah? It's discouraging and disappointing when our favorite band breaks up, isn't it? Now, some of those bands got back together and made music again, but the reality is not that good <laughs> as it was when they were first together. But there's something much worse. What, what if, and far more serious your, uh, than your favorite band breaking up, you've seen relationships fall apart. You've seen relations, significant relationships fall apart in your life. Maybe your parents got a divorce. Maybe you're a parent and you're watching your child go through a divorce. Maybe you're dealing with your own divorce and going through it. Maybe you have some friendships that are ending and they're not ending well. Maybe you have a brother and sister that you fight with or don't get along with or you're fighting over maybe your parents' inheritance. Maybe you're, you're part of a family that is fractured over things that shouldn't really matter in the scheme of things. Maybe it's a political divide or an idea issue that divides you. We've all seen it and we all hate it when things that we've grown to love and, and these things that we've grown to, to depend on, things we thought that would last forever, we hate it when they fall apart, don't we? And often, when we're in the middle of it, we feel like those institutions and those relationships come crashing down all of a sudden, out of the blue, it seems like out of the blue, the relationship just crumbled and fell apart to pieces. And we're left going, how'd that happen? We can't figure out why. But those seismic events that rip apart our favorite band or those seismic events that shake the very foundation of our significant relationships, those, those seismic events that leave an indelible mark on our lives. And in many cases, leave us with painful scars emotionally, sometimes physically. Those events rarely are sudden. Almost always, there has been cracks in the foundation, fault lines underneath or below the surface for some time. I mean, the Beatles didn't break up overnight. There was a lot of frustration and animosity and, and just the craziness of probably being the biggest band in the world. And it all finally came to the surface. Or maybe it was Yoko Ono. Yeah. 
We'll never know. Or maybe your parents' divorce wasn't as sudden as it felt. There are likely issues below the surface for a long time. And they probably were never properly addressed. That falling out you had with your friend or your brother or your sister or your aunt or your parents or whoever. If you're honest, you can see things were going on. The little hurts, the little, you know, dagger words, wounds there, things said or left unsaid. Over time, those fault lines finally erupted. In geological terms, a fault line is a fracture along which the crust has, has shifted or it's moved. Seismic waves are generated when the two sides of the fault rapidly slip past each other. For most earthquakes, the fault line or the faults don't break to the surface. So the faults can be seen only through analyzing the seismic waves. And what we know to be true is that fault lines, many fault lines, are often invisible. The cracks in the foundation are often unseen until they become chasms. Until the earthquake strikes and everything falls apart, you would never know that there was a crack in the foundation or a fault line below the surface. Fault lines can be hard to see, but what we know to be true, they are there and they are dangerous. So you may be asking yourself, what does, this, what, what does any of this have to do with being a community who lives in unity? What does any of this have to do with bringing unity back into community? The simple answer, it has everything to do with it. Everything. It has everything to do with becoming and staying a community of Jesus followers, living in our world in unity as a faith community. Fault lines happen because the reality is you and I, we are broken and imperfect people. We are broken and imperfect people who do life with other broken and imperfect people. That's the reality. And, the rea- and, and the, something that's sometimes hard to swallow is that it's the same in the church as well. This church is made up of imperfect and broken people. In fact, these fault lines, these cracks in our foundation are found, are, are the single biggest reason that the church, small c, And the church, Big C, in North America are failing to have an impact that we are called to have. These fault lines are the single biggest reason the church in in America fails to live in unity as a unified community. Because we have these differences. We We believe differently. We have different gifts. We have different passions. We have different interests. 
And one of the reasons the church in America appears to, appears to be defeated is because we are divided. I mean, we all have our preferences. Maybe to put it another way, a divided church is a defeated church. This means we must be very intentional about preventing future and healing current cracks in the foundation. We must be intentional about healing and preventing fault lines from forming. But I've got good news. Say good news. The good news is the Apostle Paul addressed this very thing in his letter to a community of Jesus followers in the city of Ephesus. In the city of Ephesus. Ephesians is a letter uh, to a, a Jesus community made up of both Jews and Gentiles who were completely different people. These two groups didn't get along and the Jews looked down on the Gentiles. A Gentile is someone who is a non-Jew. Two people that didn't get along. The Jews looked down on the Gentiles because the Gentiles didn't have the law. The Gentiles worshipped multiple pagan gods. The Gentiles practiced all kinds of sexual immorality. The Gentiles lived wild lives, whether it's through uh, drunkenness, lying to get ahead in business, cheating others, anger, brawling, gossiping, slandering. Kind of sounds like church, doesn't it? No, I'm just kidding. Not this church. On the other hand, the Gentiles felt the Jews were uneducated, lower class, with no sophistication. The Jews were a, a weak, conquered, complaining people who were arrogant, distasteful, and largely, uh, or largely unlikable. Jews were standoffish. And didn't accept or even like other groups. Plus they had this weird religious idea and they were downright judgy. Amazingly, through Christ, through Jesus himself, these two groups came together as followers of Jesus in unity in one community. With all these differences... With all of these checkered paths, they came together through Christ. And much of the, uh, the letter to this community of Jesus followers, the Apostle Paul was aiming at telling the Jews that Jesus called the Gentiles to be part of this family of God. But he didn't stop there. He also told the Gentiles that they have been adopted into that family. And Paul also spends a good portion of this letter telling both of them that being a part of this family means you can't live like you did before. You're changed. You're a new creation. You're different. He's saying if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, the Apostle Paul is saying this, you must come together in community as one community. Come together. And then he says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 and 6. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to do what? Say it out loud. Live a life worthy of the calling you have 
sound pretty excited about that. <laughs> to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now read this with me. Be completely what? Humble. And? Gentle. And? Patient. Doing what? <laughs> That's it's so awesome. Okay, humble, patient, bearing, Bueller, Bueller. <laughs> Being humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one another in, in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called uh, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is over all, through all, and what? In all. See, Paul writes this letter from prison. He's sitting in prison. And he's in prison because of his commitment to Jesus and the way he choose or chose to live his life. And he chose to live his life as Jesus called him to live, to follow him. And as a prisoner for living a life modeled after Christ and rooted in his faith in Jesus, Paul is calling these two groups of different people who both have faith in Jesus and want to live like Jesus, Paul is calling them to heal the cracks in their foundation, to heal the fault lines in their community. It's almost as if Paul is saying, hey, listen, if I can go to prison because of my faith in Jesus and for my life of imitating Jesus that is radically different from the way the world lives, then surely you two can get along. then surely you can work to heal the natural cracks before they become chasms and protect the community of Jesus followers and be in unity. Some further notes on this passage. The Apostle Paul says, I urge you. I mean, this was no small request. This, this, is, this is something he is basically saying, I, listen, this is not a suggestion. This is not if you feel like it or when you feel up to it. He is basically urging, begging, almost demanding us to do this. To do what? Live a life worthy of your calling because we've already established that we are masterpieces created in the image of God. We need to act like it. I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling. Live up to the, your purpose and make every effort to keep unity. Some translations will say eager to keep. Be eager to keep unity. That should be a, a strong desire in us to keep the unity in community. So how do we make every effort to keep our unity? Well, we just kind of enthusiastically rattled off that list. Humility. He said, be humble. Consider others before yourself. With gentleness. You know, have kindness and consideration for others. Not forcing your will, not forcing your opinion, not wanting everybody to vote like you do. 
Not putting down others because they don't. Not, not trying to implement what you desire. Trying not to always be, you don't have to be right. You just have to be real. My wife and I practice this. We get to put this in practice every day, right after we wake up when she asks me, so what are your expectations for dinner? And I go, I'm totally open. What do you want with humility? And then that conversation carries on throughout the day. You know what I'm talking about. What do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you want to eat? I don't know. Up to you. You decide. No, whatever you want. That should be in marriage vows. Humility, gentleness, patience, patience. You know, patience is like this slowness in, in wanting to avenge someone who wronged you. Remember, this is how we bring unity. This is how, this is our part in bringing unity. Bearing with one another, having compassion for one another, helping carry one another's burdens. Compassion for one another. Listen, you can totally have your beliefs what's right or wrong. I get that. But compassion means I'm not going to put you down because you didn't think the way I think or you don't believe the way I believe. Or you didn't vote who I voted for. Remember, whenever somebody wins, there's always a loser. And I'm saying, keep that in mind when you celebrate whatever you celebrate. Knowing that there's a masterpiece, a God-created individual on the other end who feels like they lost something. Bearing with one another, helping carry one another's burdens, and we do all of this, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, we do all of this in love, in love. If you want to heal current cracks before they become chasms, if you want to heal current fault lines and prevent future ones, then you have to be intentional. You have to do. We, you, us, me, all of us have to do the hard work of being patient, of being gentle, of being kind, of, being, uh, of bearing each other's burdens, or to put it another way, to prevent cracks uh, from becoming chasms in your relationships, we must be intentional about building unity. We have to be intentional about building unity. And that's the point. If you leave here with anything today, or if you want to hang your hat and your heart on something today to prevent fault lines in our relationships, we must be intentional about building unity. That's the one thing I want you to get today. It takes intentionality. No matter how much you complain about someone else, it's not going to change them. But you being intentional about building unity will change not only them, but more importantly, you. So how do we do this? I'm glad you asked. How do we become intentional about building unity? I think the first question we really need to ask is, how do I 
How do I build unity? How do I build and what is my part in building this unity on a personal level? Well, the first thing, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. And it's simple. Consider others before yourself. Consider others before yourself. We, we read this verse a couple of weeks ago in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. It says, do nothing out of what? Or vain conceit. Rather, let's say it with enthusiasm. In? Yes. That was awesome. And it sounded, yeah, that was cool. Rather in humility, value others. Value others. Others are more important. Value others. See them as God's masterpieces. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of yourself. No. What's it really say? The interests of others. The interests of others. I'm all for self-care, soul care, but that should not be our priority. We should take care of ourselves so we can then value and take care of others. Right? Value others before ourselves. I can only imagine a world if every single one of us applied these words to our life, how much different would our world be? Consider others before yourself. Remember, we said a few weeks ago, based out of this verse, do nothing out of selfish ambition. You know what that means? It's not about partisanship. It's not about jockeying for position. It's not about campaigning. It's not about manipulating anything to get your way. And then do nothing out of vain conceit, thinking more highly of yourself than is right. Making sure your pride doesn't get in the way of the character of Christ. One of the reasons we feel like and we see disunity in our families, we see disunity in our workplace, we see disunity in our social or political interactions. I mean, come on, social media, anybody? Facebook? Speaking of the Eagles, the Eagles had Don Henley that played drums. And he came out with a song that I just reheard yesterday randomly called Dirty Laundry. That's a good tune. And then now that I'm a little bit older, you know, somewhere between 28 and 49, I can really understand the concept of what he was singing about. One of the reasons we see this disunity in, in families, in our workplace, and social media, I just related dirty laundry to Facebook. I don't know why. Could be the comments. Not just there, but in our churches as well. The, the reason I see we, uh, believe we see disunity is because I think that most Christians, most people who say they're a follower of Christ, are trying to live up to the world's standards. Even as followers of Christ, we're trying to live up to the world's standards. And we're not the reality is that we're not living any differently than the world does. 
I mean, we, we are living like the world. We don't truly live like Christ. We're, we're not living completely surrendered to Jesus. I mean, rather than graciously forgiving one another, what do we do? We have a tendency to point out how we've been wronged and insist those who have wronged us come to us to make it right. If we're being honest, we all do that. I'm not going to Creekside anymore. So-and-so talked junk about me. I'm never going back there again until they come to me and apologize for what they did. How many of us have allowed relationships to fall completely apart because someone wronged us? But Paul, the Apostle Paul, tells us later in Ephesians 4, he says this in verse 32. He says, be what? Kind. Be kind and what? To one another. Forgiving. Forgiving each other. Forgiving each other. And I love, he, he didn't leave us hanging on this one. You may go, well, how do I forgive someone I don't love? How do I forgive someone I don't like? How do I love or how do I forgive someone who has wronged me, who has cheated on me, who has stole from me? How do I do this? He says right there, just as in Christ, God did what? And how did Jesus or how did God forgive us? He sent Jesus to do what? Die on the cross. How did, how did God... Jesus laid down his life for you and I. What's that look like? When you're wronged, be kind, be compassionate, forgive each other. When you're hurt, be kind, compassionate, forgive each other. When someone talks junk about you, be kind, compassionate, forgive them. When someone uh, steals from you, hey, be kind, be compassionate, forgive them. When you're neglected, be kind, be compassionate, forgive them. I know it's hard to do. I know it's easy to say. But because of our relationship with Christ, we are equipped with everything we will ever need to do just that. Because Christ is within us and his Holy Spirit empowers us to do just that. When we're called to forgive as Christ forgives, it means we forgive completely. It doesn't mean you only forgive when someone says they're sorry. It doesn't mean you only forgive when that person deserves it. It doesn't mean you only forgive them when you know that they feel bad enough for what they did. It doesn't mean you only forgive them when they do something to make up for. I know there are a lot of things that are hard and may seem unforgivable in life, but we have to fight through that 
Because, listen, how many times have we wronged Jesus? Yet he keeps on forgiving us and forgiving us and forgiving. His, his grace and forgiveness is unlimited. You know what we do? We put a limit on our forgiveness. But how can we do that when it comes from him in the first place? It's not even ours. We are to forgive fully and we're to seek reconciliation with others. You know what forgiveness is? Forgiveness is says, hey, listen, I'm not gonna hold this against you. There's no grudges in, in God's kingdom. It's a, forgiveness is I'm not gonna hold this against you. Reconciliation is saying, I'm going to do the work that needs to be done to restore this broken relationship. This is, this is how, this is the part we play. What is my role? What do I need to do to work for unity and bring unity? Forgive and reconcile. Forgive and reconcile. One way to stay in step with God is to stay in tune with the Holy Spirit. And if you want to be in unity with people around you, if you want to be in unity with your family, with your neighbors and your coworkers and your classmates, if you want to be in unity with your church community, then we need to be and stay in tune with the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, I, so I say, walk by your feelings. No, what did he say? Walk by and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. See, when we walk by the Spirit, when we stay in tune with the Holy Spirit, it is so much easier to be in unity with those around you. Gratifying the desires of the flesh, insisting on having my way, being worried about my expectations, focusing on my rights, living my truth, assuming you know, that I should get to express myself. You know what happens when we follow that path? Fault lines are created. Cracks begin to form in the foundation. And eventually we turn into chasms before you know it. But when we're in tune with the Holy Spirit as followers of Jesus, we can achieve unity. So how do we know if we're in tune with the Holy Spirit? Paul, Paul tells us what it looks like, and you may be familiar with this because it's quoted a lot and you may know it. It says this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces what? This kind of fruit in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Friends, when you're in tune with the Holy Spirit and your life looks like love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, self then finding this unity, putting unity back into community, building unity, healing these cracks, healing the fault lines, you know what happens? It becomes a natural consequence. Good things happen. That's on a personal level. Now on a corporate level, 
as a church. And I know, I mean, some of you may say this, hey, yeah, sounds great for my marriage. Thank you for that one, PG. Or, you know, it, it sounds great for my relationships with my kids or, you know, with that really hard to love person at work. But you also may be thinking, how does this apply to the church, Creekside Church, living in community with unity? How does that apply? I think when you're focused on considering others first, when you make a habit, say habit, out of forgiveness and reconciliation, it's really hard to be in disunity. When you focus on others and being, you're intentional with forgiving and reconciling because you cannot be unified and disunified at the same time. It's really hard for these cracks to develop or to grow beneath the surface. But the real insurance against a shaky foundation, against allowing these cracks to form into chasms, is for us to focus on being in tune with the Holy Spirit. That is the binding agent of our community. It's kind of like this. I'm going to invite the worship team up. I want to use him as an example. So we have a band of gifted musicians. Obviously, there's a number of different in instruments up there. And when we are disunified, when we are living our truth, expressing ourselves, putting other people down because they don't believe the same thing we do or they voted differently than we did, We're like a band, not unlike this one, and we're going to see this in action, where Kent may be jamming on his own tune, Kristen may be playing at her own tempo, Jake may be just tuning his guitar, and, and Parker's kind of jamming on something else, all in different keys. We sang a song earlier, Sing, 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 and it's, it, it, that's in the key of E. But I want to give you an example of how a band, what it sounds like being, you know, not unified or in key. And, I, you know, I, I'm going to ask each one to kind of play their own thing, however they feel like they want to play it. So, Parker, whatever you're feeling, go and play. Kent, whatever your base truth is, I want you to play that. Harmony, you can sing whatever song you want because, hey, you do you, boo. Okay. <laughs> Kristen, um, you're going to have to fight your perfect pitch and just play whatever. Yeah, you play whatever you want to play. Jake, I want you to lead us in this song. 
I'll do my best. In the key of E, as it should be played. But I don't, I don't want any of the other band members to, to do that. You guys do your own thing, okay? So what would this sound like when the band is not unified? I'm going to invite you to stand because we're going to worship together. <laughs> Let the presence of God just wash over you <laughs> this morning. Let's sing. Are you guys ready? ready. Chorus. One, two, That's how One Direction sounds to me. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But that, that's a perfect example of us living in disunity. I mean, I, I, don't, I can't prove this. It's not biblical. But I wonder when we live in disunity if, if it sounds like that to God. Quality musicians, they all know how to play. You know what the uh, common denominator is? You know what will fix this? if we all played in the key of E in the same song. Just like, you know what will fix a lot of our issues within our church? It's not everybody voting the same. It's not everybody thinking the same. It's not everybody believing the, the same in the sense of, you know, everyday things. It's not everybody dressing the same. It's not everybody, you know, it's not everybody having the same gifts, passions, or interests. It's when we're all in tune with the Holy Spirit. All in tune with the Holy Spirit. I know how um, for the last couple of weeks, few weeks, we talked a lot about being in unity. We've talked about the inherent value we have when we are created in the image of God. And we've talked about celebrating the blessed differences that we have. Today, we've, we've taken it another step further and we talk more about the fault lines or the cracks that grow and turn into chasms when we don't see each other in God's image and we don't celebrate our differences. When we become divided over things, it's incredibly difficult to have unity with each other. So as we wrap up our series, it's important to consider at least two areas where we can personally impact the unity and health in ourselves personally and within this community of faith. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Develop the habit of considering others, their needs ahead of your own wants and needs. Maybe for some of us, Put on their shoes and walk in it for a day or two. And ask the question, what do they need? Not what, what do I want to do? What do they need? 
Maybe for some, you need to go to someone to seek or offer forgiveness. Yes, even in church. Ask yourself, where do I need to get over myself and work on reconciliation? Maybe for some, you need to ask, hey, am I really in tune with the Holy Spirit? Am I hearing the voice of God? Am I pursuing love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control? Or am I doing just the opposite? That's on a personal level, on a corporate level. It's Creekside Church. Are we working to build unity here at church? Unity. Unity. For those of us who are members of Creekside, we sign a covenant saying we are going to fight for unity and not gossip about other people. Are we building unity? Are you praying and seeking to be in tune with the Holy Spirit corporately? And finally, let's not miss out on the power and the benefit of coming together in fellowship and communion with other believers like we're doing right now. There's huge benefits to this. I mean, in the book of Acts, we see the early church absolutely devoted to meeting together. Absolutely devoted. Not when they didn't have anything better to do. Absolutely to, uh, devoted to meeting together. They made it a priority. And these were people, and these were groups of people who had immense differences. Yet still in the power of the Holy Spirit and the bond of Christ, they were able to come together in their common faith. They were unified. So I want to encourage you and challenge you. Make a commitment. Make a commitment. Make a commitment to your church. Make a commitment to Creekside Church. We are all here for a reason. God has an assignment for every single one of us individually, and that's to reflect the character of Christ. And he has an assignment for us as Creekside Church, and that's to love him, glorify him, and love people. Because what I know to be true, if this church, if Creekside Church is going to transform and impact the world around us, we must be united in our love for Christ and we must be united in our love for one another. Because anything short of that is defeat. Is defeat. Father, we pray this morning, today, right now, we pray that you please protect our communities of faith. And give us, Father God, the wisdom that we need to walk in unity with one another. 
Help us, Father, to embrace our differences as a gift from you because those around us are your masterpieces created in your image. Let us value others before ourselves. Father, we want to stand as a church united and we don't want to be divided because we know that ends or leads to defeat. Unify us with your Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you.